On this episode of MTP, it's Patriots Cowboys Week. John Gruden is out of Las Vegas after an email leak, and the Boston Red Sox and Houston Astros meet up once again in the American League Championship Series. This is Missing the Point, episode 91. But it's all relative. Do I bring it in? Yeah, let's bring it in. Hey, welcome into Missing the Point MTP. My name is Joe Malgan. He's the real BK Bob Kelly. It's been a while since we've been together. We've been with this new rotation thing. It's been a while since I've even uh, put this microphone in front of us, and this has been great. No yeah. Craig tonight behind his microphone. Uh, he is out gallivanting on the town. Good Mysterious for him. We miss you, Craig. We have, what's that? I said, good for him. We, we miss you, Craig. Yeah, he, he popped in. He popped in for one second. <laughs> right before we signed on recording. So, but uh, yeah, it's very mysterious. Mysterious Craig, our executive producer. Uh, but we're we're here tonight, uh, today, tomorrow, this morning, whenever you decide to listen to this, uh, to talk to you about uh, Bobby's most anticipated game of the season. And I'll get into that because I thought it, I think it's so funny. And, and I don't mean that in a demeaning way. I just think it's so funny that this is your Super Bowl, where our Super Bowl happened two weeks ago uh you know what i mean so we'll get into some patriots and and cowboys because uh our teams are going up against each other this week and we'll talk some red Sox and you know some alcs and uh what we think of that team and where this is going but well, let's start it off uh with the nfl there's a lot of storylines not just in terms of the cowboys and the patriots but we're going to start there because i have an interesting uh take on this patriots game uh, against the Cowboys, 425 in Foxborough on Sunday. We're both going to be there, mm-hmm. uh, which is very exciting. Uh, I'm always there. But for you, this is, again, like your Super Bowl. So, Bobby, I find this funny because this is your most anticipated game of the season. This is the game you've looked forward to since the day the schedule came out because I remember we all had this conversation. Because this is the that quote-unquote 17th game. That was added in, right? This Mm -hmm. wasn't originally going to be in the 16-game schedule. So the Patriots get the Cowboys. Uh, Bobby bought tickets as soon as he could. For Patriots fans, uh, the the majority of us anyway, our Super Bowl game of the regular season was two weeks ago when Tom Brady came to town. But this is a very exciting game, and I want to hear your thoughts on it uh, because your Cowboys are 4-1, and and our Patriots are... Two and three going into this week. Yeah, no, it's just listen. This happens every four years, and never before have the Cowboys had such a positive outlook to what the Patriots have. And it's just it's it's such a different feeling around this team. And so let me back up. So the last time the Cowboys played the Patriots, do you know who the starting quarterback of the Cowboys was? How long ago was this? And four years ago. It wasn't Tony Romo. So Dak wasn't in the league. Romo was out. Oh, uh, I w- the first name that came to mind was Vinny Testaverde. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> not that long ago. No, no, not that long ago. <laughs> four years ago. Oh, my God. Five years ago? Five years ago. Who, right? who was it? Brandon Wheaton. Brandon Wheaton. <laughs> All right. That's. That and so I, I was actually in my Facebook memories because it actually happened four years ago. I think it was yesterday or the day yeah. before. Uh, the Patriots mm-hmm. won like thirty-eight to six. They just absolutely dominated the Cowboys, and this has just been my life for since like I can even fucking remember, man. And, and to finally have the upper hand and to be going, and you know, and, and, and I'm setting myself up for a disaster of events where like I just walk out of the stadium like, what the fuck happened? But like. I don't know. It just feels different this year. And I'm not going to like rub it in anyone's face or anything like that, but it's just going to be good to see the Cowboys go up against a team that has just haunted my nightmares for, for like, no, not haunted my nightmares. That's a little strong. That's a little strong. Cause well, you yes, were a Patriots fan. I was a Patriots point. fan. All that, right. But like where your dad indoctrinated you since this transition, it's just been like, blowout after blowout and every single time i think there's hope the patriots just come in and just absolutely wallop us for so for once 
I, I don't foresee that happening. I think I think there is ways the Patriots can win this game. We'll get into that. And I'm not carrying a blind eye that the Patriots do have a path to beat the Cowboys because there are ways that they can do it. There's, there's way to ex- exploit this Cowboys team. But it just, the mantra around this Cowboys team right now, the swag, the start to the season, I just, I don't know. I know I'm going to get shit for that. We're going to play this forever. If the Patriots end up beating the Cowboys, it's going to be like our, our intro. <laughs> Great. Craig will make the intro immediately. It'll be a baseball show and it'll be us talking about the Cowboys. Now, you know what? It's, it's interesting because you mentioned the path to beat the Cowboys. I think the path for the Patriots to beat the Cowboys uh, it is a longer path than it is for the Cowboys to beat the Patriots. <clears throat> and there's a few reasons for that. This Patriots team, to me, and this is coming from someone who doesn't consider themselves a homer when it comes to the NFL, when it comes to the New England Patriots. Uh, I, I love my Patriots. I've worn the same jersey to games for the last 21 years. I, I don't mess around on Sundays. Uh, I have missed one game in 10 years, and that was for my wedding five years ago this weekend, actually. So this is you describing why you're not a homer? So, <laughs> yeah, right, right, yeah. Exactly. All right, there's the sound bite. Uh, no, but in all honesty, you know, I am that guy that will sit there and say, hey, look, you know, Patriots fans think everything is against them and, and this, that, and the other thing. And it's just, that's just not, that's just not the case. But uh, here's another comment that's going to make you laugh. This Patriots team should be four and one. They should be four and one. And if they don't fumble against Miami, they very likely win that game. Uh, they had Tom Brady and the Buccaneers against the wall and couldn't get into Nick Folk's range literally by about a yard. Had that been a 55-yard attempt, it, it probably either doinks off the post and goes in or, or it, it just goes through. So to me, this team is, can be 4-1, but they can also be 0-5. That is just the way that they've played this season, which is dangerous if you're the Patriots. But the fact that this is still a Bill Belichick coach team is dangerous for the Cowboys. This could be a trap game for the Cowboys. It it really could. And I think that here's my hot take for the day. I think the Cowboys win this game. And I think, I don't think they win with it handily. I don't think it's a blowout, but I also don't think it's 1917 like the Patriots lost to the Bucks. <clears throat> I hope I'm wrong, but I think this could be a four to four to ten point win for the Cowboys on Sunday. And the reason I think that is because of the things that you just said. The Cowboys are firing on all cylinders. Where the Cowboys had a bad season last year, the Patriots had a bad season last year. The Cowboys picked up their pieces a lot quicker than the Patriots did. Yeah. And they, they, and, and they had a better draft. Uh and their offensive line is fortified. Mike McCarthy is not as much of a dunce as you and I thought he was last year. There's a lot worse coaches in the NFL than Mike McCarthy. And we'll get to one of them in a little while as well. For those reasons, I, I mean, I, I just think that Dallas has an easier path to a win than the New England does in this football game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so it really comes down to the playmakers that the Cowboys have. I mean, listen, the Patriots defense is good. They've shown that they can stop big names, but when you look around that Dallas offense, man, it, it, it's just nonstop. It's, you know, CeeDee Lamb, Dalton Schultz, Amari Cooper, Tony Pollard, uh, what's the other? Oh, right. Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, and, and then you got Dak spreading the ball around who, who is a legitimate MVP candidate at this point. He, he's playing out of his mind. The thing that scares me is it's not not even that scares me. The reason why I think you're right, where I do think it's going to be a little bit closer than you know some people do think, but the piece, the Cowboys' weakness is deep balls, uh, giving up a lot of yards through the air. They have a good run defense, but they give up a lot of big plays that, and and they let teams drive down the field. So yeah, so the reason why I do think the Cowboys are going to win, end up winning this game is because their weakness, like I said, was big plays. The Patriots seem, uh, and, and it, bro, it pisses me off, so I can't imagine how you guys feel. The Patriots are scared of to let Mac Jones do his thing. 
And it doesn't seem like it, until it gets to an absolute necessity that they actually decide to let him sling the ball. I mean, the amount of times it just coming from an offense that used to frustrate me as much as it did. The amount of times they see Josh McDaniels run screenplays on goddamn third and nine and or or three screenplays in a row inside the red zone just blows my mind. That's not me, though. I know it's not, and I know it was the Brady thing back in the day and, like, you know, worked that, but I just don't. It, it's not how you're going to move the ball at this offense to me. And, and for him to just keep it, because it doesn't work anymore. You know what I mean? Like, it used to work. But now he runs three inside the red zone like he did this past week. And all three of them go for one yard. And you're like, bro. But then he, once he lets Mac actually throw that L route to who caught? Was it Janu? In the uh, corner? Yeah. If it, who, to Janu. Bro, that was a dime. And they ended up winning the game because Mac Jones actually had to sling the ball for the last few minutes because they're down 21 points. So it's just, that's why I'm not that scared because I don't see the Patriots doing that until it's too late. And by the time you do that, you have a rookie quarterback and you have the most ball hawking quarter in football right now out there. So I feel like once it gets to necessity, the Patriots will start to throw the ball, but then the Cowboys get like an opportunistic interception in the fourth quarter. And that's how it ends up getting capped. It ends up being like a 10 point game, something like that. But right. Well, it's Stefan's brother didn't practice today, although I know he plays because I picked him up in my fantasy league that I had. It's an IDP league. I love IDP. Uh, and, and he has been outstanding for two weeks. I don't know how nobody picked him up. I don't know how nobody won. I know how nobody drafted him, but that's besides the point. In terms of the Patriots offense, it's interesting you bring that up because if it were Tom Brady, we probably wouldn't even be having this conversation, but because it's Mac Jones, we are, which is a fair, it's a fair conversation to have, right? Because Mac Jones is Mac Jones. Tom Brady is Tom Brady. And now we've seen Tom Brady in Tampa. He's getting to sling it. Uh, he's getting to throw it around the yard a little bit. The offense is opened up. It is his offense. And it shows how conservative the Patriots offense is. And they're being gun shy with the rookie quarterback. Yeah. I don't necessarily blame them for that. I, I really don't because of what they're dealing with. But you're absolutely right. But if you've noticed, they've loosened it up week by week. Each week, he's been given a little more freedom. Yeah. And but I, I feel like it's just so it's just so strange because it's like giving a kid more freedom as they get a little bit older. And I understand that. But this kid is an NFL quarterback. He's making millions of dollars to play the game. And at some point, at some point, you have to let the kid go make his mistakes. And he has made mistakes and he will make mistakes. And we've seen rookie quarterback Dak Prescott made mistakes as a rookie. Excuse me, as a rookie quarterback, he's made his mistakes as he's come come along. What I love about Mac Jones is the fact that he gets so frustrated with mm -hmm. himself and the situation and and what's going on. And I don't think it's a negative thing. I think his energy is is well placed, but I think he almost shows too emo too much emotion for his coaching staff. Uh, and I think that's part of the reason why they're holding him back. Another part of the reason why they're holding him back is they don't have James White. Losing James White for the season is a huge blow to this offense because there is no pat there is no pass catching back like James White. And that's coming from somebody who really likes Brandon Bolden, who's been on this team for a long time. I really like Brandon Bolden, but he's not James White. And neither is Ramondre Stevenson, even though I really like Stevenson. This past week against Houston. The receivers, minus the terrible drop by Jacoby Myers, 25 yards down the field. Besides that drop, the receivers are getting better. They're holding on to the ball. I have the theory that Mac Jones' ball arrives a little bit differently, if that makes sense. Uh, you know, and this is a new team. I mean, these guys are put together, and granted, they've had this time, and but th there was a lot of Cam Newton in the preseason, and now it sounds like I'm an excuse-making, but... I, I think what we're seeing is before our eyes, we're seeing a quarterback flourishing because I think Mac Jones makes great decisions. I think he's a good decision maker and he's a good quarterback. It's all on the coaching staff, which I think is kind of what you were alluding to. Um, I like the screen passes. I have no problem with the screen passes, but you're right. When he's allowed to throw the ball and, and for goodness sakes if there were anyone ever listening to this podcast from the new england patriots that has any kind of decision-making power 
put Kendrick Bourne in the game because he has been the yeah. most reliable dude on that offense. He has been the Matthew Judon of the offense, and he's only playing half the snaps in the game. But again, because of those reasons, I mean, I, I you the the Dallas defense is scary. And I heard a comparison today, actually, and I, I thought it was really interesting. Uh, the conversation came up about Jerry Jones and uh, Robert Kraft as it pertains to them being in the NFL Hall of Fame or in the Pro Football Hall and how Jerry Jones is in the Pro Ho- Football Hall of Fame, but Robert Kraft isn't. And part of the argument was, well, Jerry Jones had a dynasty before, uh, before Robert Kraft even owned an NFL team which is true. Jerry Jones won his third Super Bowl the year after or the year or the year after Kraft bought the Patriots because they won in 95. So I, I can't remember if that was the 94 season or the 95 season. Regardless. It was 90, they won 96 and it was the 95 season. 96, 95 season. That's what yeah. it was. Cause the Patriots then went to the Super Bowl in the nine in 97, 96 season. Yeah. So but the compare the overall comparison. So that was the conversation, and the comparison was to the 2021 Cowboys to that dynasty, which is not a bad comparison, really. I mean, you look at Dak. I mean, Dak can Dak can throw 40 touchdowns a season, though. That was something that Troy Aikman couldn't do, but Dak can do it, and it's a, it's also a different game. I mean, you could lean on Emmett Smith and win games with 22. You didn't need you didn't need Troy Aikman, but you had him. So, but the point, the point being is, is that that was the comparison that was made that th- this 2021 Cowboys team is very reminiscent of that, that early to mid nineties Cowboys franchise. And that was also, a, that was still Jerry Jones franchise back then. So he has a team, he has a type, well, we all have a type that's his type and it works for him. And right now he's going in that direction again, and he's going to get there the way it looks right now uh, on uh, the day that we're recording this. It looks like the Cowboys are going to get to their dynasty form before the Patriots get back to theirs. And I think that that's going to play out this Sunday too. And that's another reason why I think the Cowboys are going to win. Yeah. I, I have to say, I am very excited for how this team is built. Like, listen, I'm okay. I also hope I'm setting you up for failure and you guys get smoked on Sunday, but besides the point, go ahead. Well, of course, that's what you hope. But like, so. I'm really trying not to get too excited about this team, like ever, like the entire country is. Not that I'm not ex- to get ahead of myself like that because I've done it before. Everyone's right. This defense, Trevon Diggs, looks like the best quarterback I've ever seen in a Cowboys uniform. There is no doubt about that. Dak Prescott is having one of the best seasons I've ever seen in a Cowboys uniform. This team has the most talent I've ever seen. All those, one hundred percent. I've been here before. I've done this before. Listen, I've done all this. 2000 Dax rookie year. It's like being a Red Sox fan. Yeah, I've done all this before, man. And it's like, I get it. The Cowboys definitely have Super Bowl swag. But we also beat the Saints when the Saints were 13-0. and 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 they had Super Bowl swag that year. We also were 10-1 and beat the Steelers in overtime in that game. And everyone was talking us up to the Super Bowl. Um, it, it is happened before. So like, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but man, no, you're right. It's, it really does look like they're building up for a long time because not only do you have young guys on offense, you have two absolute studs on defense that are first year and second year. Listen, Trevon Diggs is already one of the top five corners in the NFL. And Micah Parsons hadn't played defensive end since high school transitions there in an NFL game and is the most productive player on the field by far. So like to have, to have those two type of guys finally on this defense is just, it's a whole different feeling. Every week when I look forward to the games, like last week I was texting my buddy, and, you know, and in the past, Cowboys-Giants, I'm so scared the Cowboys coming out and laying egg. And, and, and I was almost sure about it every year where it was like, oh, God damn it, here comes another bullshit game where the Cowboys just do nothing for three and a half quarters. And then we end up either losing at the last second or blowing it at the last second, because that's how it was every single year. But I texted him before, I'm like, listen, I don't feel that way this year. It just doesn't, the team doesn't have that feel to it, that like they are going to come out and lay an egg. And it just feels like they're the type of team that's going to come out and execute every single week, because that's what they can't. 
because that's how talented they all are and they know it they realize it and they're like listen guys anything but this is fucking unacceptable because we're so fucking talented like i was watching the mic'd up and it was just it's crazy man to, to see the confidence they all have so i do feel that swag this year and i think you're right all the comparisons everyone's making are right i do think this team is special they have a cake schedule the rest of the way hate uh, so i i do think that this is real i do but i'm not trying to get too out of myself i i just want to beat the patriots this week uh, I'm, I'm just saying i just want to beat the patriots it, it's it's interesting you mentioned the schedule and, and what it was and it's you know after the first few weeks they said oh the cowboys haven't beaten anybody all right well they've scored 20 or more points and uh, welcome to the cowboy hour on uh, missing the point but they haven't scored less than 20 points right they haven't scored less than 20 points in a game. And the game that they scored 20 points in, they won. So they lost to the Buccaneers by two on the last, sec- on a, what, the last second field goal. Yeah, it was a Ryan second last second field goal. We were winning. We were winning with a minute and 20 seconds left in that right. game. You gave Tom Brady a minute and 20 seconds too long. The Cowboys beat the Chargers, who are a very good football team. They beat the Eagles, doubled them up, almost doubled them up, 41-21 in... That Eagles team, Jalen Hurts is something else. Uh, he's kind of impressed me. I've been impressed by a lot of things this year, and Jalen Hurts is one of them. That Eagles team is on the rise. I, they're not there, but they're on the rise. The Panthers The Panthers have one loss. The Panthers are not a bad football team. Sam Darnold looks resurrected. Two now. They lost last week. Oh, I'm sorry. They're three and two. Yeah. Uh, but the Cowboys beat them 36-28. They, then they smoked the Giants, which... I think we all saw that coming. So I, I mean, yeah. After the Patriots, you're right. Let's let, like let's take it week by week. They still have the Saints on the ske- ske- schedule. Schedule. They still have the Chiefs on the schedule who are struggling. They still have Washington who has a, twice who has a very good defense. They still have the Cardinals towards the end of the year. So there, there's a few games in there that could be tough. This is the one that's that's the most interesting though because this is going to show what they have because they're still going up against a good coaching staff, but. I say good because I haven't been impressed by what the Patriots have shown us this year. And being down 22 to nine, Davis Mills looks really good. I think he's going to be a good NFL quarterback. I agree with that. I think David, he looked good, man. He was making, he was making throws in that game. And his head coach, I think he's a dunce. David Cully, I just, uh, and you know what? Ray didn't like that hire either. Ray was like, this is a dumb hire. He was the first one to mention it when Cully was hired. And he was like, this is stupid. Like, what, what are they doing? They have an opportunity to do basically whatever they want. And they hire this guy out of Baltimore. He looked lost on Sunday and made some bonehead decisions and probably should have won that game against the Patriots. But the Patriots pulled it out. Bro, they should. They should. They 100% should right? beat you guys. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, I look at this game to, to finish up uh, our, our conversation on this game for Sunday, 425 kickoff in Foxborough. It's a, it's a trap game for the Cowboys and it's a, it would be a statement for the Patriots to win this game at home. Patriots are 0-3 at home. It's so surprising to me. They haven't won a game at home. I've watched three losses. It's been very disappointing. So sad. It, it, there's a very good possibility it's 0-4. And the that's traffic wild. is, the traffic has been great at the end of the game, so... <laughs> people leaving early yeah people are leaving early so I, I mean by the time you get out of there it's there's just nobody left so uh but so i think we both have the same prediction but i i think i'm not going to give a score prediction but i think the cowboys win this game uh i hope i am pleasantly surprised uh but i too if the patriots beat the cowboys i will be the first one on the show uh to not say i told you so because <laughs> I, I just i don't like this game for the patriots because right now this patriots team is not a contender. Yeah. The only thing, like I said before, the only thing that scares me is, so like everyone's talking about the Cowboys defense. Listen, they're not great. They're still almost last at passing yards given up per game. The thing is, they're very opportunistic defense. Uh, and Mac Jones has almost thrown or has thrown interceptions under pressure almost in every game so far this season. So I, that's why I do agree. I think the Cowboys do end up taking this game. And I just... Listen to all the Patriots fans out there. I will hold it in. I won't be crazy at the game. I promise. I'll do my best. But I think this is the one time I believe you because I know the company you're going to be with and I know where you're going to be sitting. And I also know that you're, I mean, one, you're not a disrespectful person. So, but you got to cheer for your team. 
and your team is the Cowboys. And if they do well and if they win, then I hope we get to talk about that next week. And I'm not even going to, you know what? It's so funny because we've talked about this where we're, you know, you and Dave brought this up last year where you're like, all right, well, you're just a team now. The Patriots are just a team. Welcome back, man. Just a team. And well, you know what? It's, it's nice. It's honestly nice to be back because it's enjoyable to watch football and not have all the pressure of (laughs) being that fan. That's, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's fun to go to the games and be a part of it. And, you know, you don't have to worry about what's going to happen at the end of the game or, you know, who's going to talk crap in the morning or what nonsense is going to come out. And it just, it's kind of relaxing. It's been kind of nice. How, how is the atmosphere at the games though? Is it different now? I'll tell you what, it's funny you mentioned that because for all the Patriots fans listening, whether you were at the game against Tampa or not, in the 20, what is it now, 21, 22-year history of Gillette Stadium, that is the loudest I have ever heard that stadium was against Tampa. And it's really interesting how that the, the fan base handled that. Prior to the game, prior to the game, when Brady came out, they played a montage. They showed his accomplishments. They showed the Super Bowl winners. Everybody cheered when they brought up the Atlanta game. You know, it was a nice atmosphere. Uh, when he ran out of the tunnel, when there was 15 minutes on the clock from the first quarter, it was completely different. Hey, we're going to go get this guy. And the fans were in on it too. And it was the loudest I have ever heard that stadium. And I loved that about the fan base because I'll be honest with you, Bobby. I think this is great for the Patriots fan base to come back to this level and really fight and claw and, and scratch for these wins and for the losses and for the whole thing and just... The nice thing is that we're in games. It's not like we're getting blown out like the Giants. We're in the games. So that's been fun. Yeah, it's... it's So I have a theory about Boston sports fans is we can be converted into the fans that we hate the most so easily. Oh, absolutely. It, 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 and that was so evident with the Patriots in the last, like, 15 years. I think Boston Patriots fans, you're going to notice it, too, in the next two years. It's going to start to feel like the Celtics again. It's going to start to feel like the Bruins, where it's just going to be mayhem at these games again. But I, I remember going to games, dude, for the past five to ten years, where, like, midway through the fourth quarter and the being big thing happening, and I would stand up, you know what I mean, be like, yeah, let's go, let's go. And people around me would, like, look at me like I'm crazy. And I'm like, bro, what are you guys doing? <laughs> like, this is the fourth quarter of an NFL football game. Like, let's go. And it's funny to there because in the fourth quarter when the when the Bucks had the ball, we were all standing, and that was something that we right. haven't really seen much uh, in in recent history. And that was that was exciting. That was fun to be a part of. And and you're right. And people weren't saying that they weren't saying down in front. We were all patient with it, and we let it happen because we became bougie fans for a while, and that was frustrating. And now we're not, and that's fine. And I'm personally okay with it. I loved it. Well, it lasted, but I've lived through the the previous before the dynasty, and I'm ready to live through that again. Yeah, all right. All right. Well, I guess uh, that's enough about this, these two teams, right? We could drive this game into the ground. I could sit here and talk about this game for like 15 hours. I know without without actually breaking it down. You know, who knows? Crane's going to come on and be like, "Wow, they really beat this dead horse." So, I, Bobby, I, I do have a question for you though. As we come out of this game, have you ever sent an email? Yeah. Yeah. Says the about it, too. Because uh, apparently the NFL currently has an investigation open, it, including 650,000 emails pertaining to a misconduct investigation against the Washington football team. And that investigation prompted emails being found from uh, former, now former Raiders head coach uh, John Gruden. He has since resigned after there was racist, uh, homophobic, misogynistic comments in those emails. And we're here to talk about that because it's a weird, it's a weird web. It's a really weird web, man. This is just the strangest thing that this investigation is against the Washington football team, against Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen and John Gruden. Ends up being the fall guy. Yeah, he ends up being the fall guy and is in the crosshairs for the emails that he sent. I mean, 
all right, I, I'm going to start this off because I, I think this can, this can go into any thought you have on it, but when I'm investigating something or whether it's personal or, you know, whether it's a big deal or not, when I'm cooking, whatever it is, I don't look at the big picture and then go, well, I'm going to pick this out of the entire thing. And that's either going to be the key to it, or this is what I'm going to take out. And that's exactly what the NFL has done here. And there's without a doubt, the NFL leaked this and somebody wanted John Gruden gone. Am I wrong? No, 100%. I, I don't know. That's, I, I understand where it came from. So is that what ha- like, that's what I want to understand about the story. It's like, where did this all originate from? Where out of everything, they were like, okay, let's go after Gruden. Like something, something happened, whether there was like a mole or something. I don't know, man. It, 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 I don't know why he ended up being the fall guy. I get why. Those emails hurt. Those are rough, man. Those are rough. The, the, to come out and say those things, like about Demora Smith, like about the Michael Sam thing to me is the most inexcusable thing of all. Oh, to, well, call him, to, to straight up call him a queer. Especially just, while you have Carl Nassib on your team. Bro, right. It, it makes it makes your ears want to bleed. When you hear people I've referred to in like that derogatory term, like in that way, it, it's just a different way of speaking that like, I can't believe that a felt coach actually had. But I'm still just baffled at where this all came from, man. It just, it, 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 it's crazy. And it really feels like, because what was my blood to me is the NFL, I've seen multiple reports that are saying the NFL had emails ready to just keep releasing to them until they decided to fire him. So, so I put this in chat the other day. Does that mean the NFL was like, oh, so like just a reprimand? Well, what about this email? Yeah. Oh, no, that's not enough. Well, what about, like, how many more? What about this email? Right. Did they have in like 650,000 allegedly? But how is that their strategy? That's what I don't get. How is that like what they're going to do? Because that was what they could get them on. But it, it, you know, it's interesting to look back at the entire situation and the entire. So, like, you look at the career of John Gruden uh, as a coach. And then he left Tampa, became a broadcaster, comes out of, uh, quote unquote, retirement, signs this huge deal with the Raiders, uh, who were moving to Vegas. And these emails were all allegedly sent while he was broadcasting with, with ESPN. So, and then of course ESPN comes out and was like, oh my goodness, uh, I had no idea. And it's like, no, you had every idea. Now, granted, the emails were allegedly sent from his personal email to Bruce Allen's Washington email, uh, Washington football team at the time, Washington Redskins email. And I just don't see, and I, I just read something on TV that DeMora Smith fears the email showed hiring bias. So John Gruden's not going to be the only one here. And that, that's another thing that's been coming up. This is what happens in our five second news cycle now. Is that, you know, if something happens to John Gruden and then everybody goes, well, what about everybody else? And it's like, well, all right, first of all, we hate when that happens, right? You can't do something wrong and then go, well, what, what about Bobby? Sure. I did this, but Bobby did that. And it's like, all right, let's stop. Let's stop doing that and trying to cover our tracks with somebody else's. I, I mean, that's just not the way to live life and take accountability for our actions. Well. I agree with you that what he said about uh, Michael Sam was the worst of all of this. Some of these emails brought up his political views. Some of them brought up his thought on uh, Caitlyn Jenner. And it's like, that stuff doesn't pertain to anything. Let's, let's talk about, I mean, it does, but who cares about his political views? That that doesn't, to me, that doesn't matter. It, uh, a, a racist is a racist. A homophobe is a homophobe. And, and he is clearly both of those things based on what we've seen in those emails. It's just crazy to think that, like, I saw this the other day, that, like, this guy who's been sitting here leading... This guy young, right here. This, that's funny. Uh, who's been leading these men, these young men, on a on a, an NFL locker room that, like, it's about unity. It's about banding together, brotherhood. You know what I mean? That's what the NFL is built on, man. And, and to have this guy that the had... football is built on. Was, right? And he's got hate in his heart that's what he has and for him to be able to run this facade for all these years listen dk i, I said it to the other day dk was right man 
and, and and he didn't even know how right he really was because like yeah, listen, we, we all right we all thought this dude was a clown but this was just absurd but i gotta say i i do so i know you were saying about like taking accountability and all that the the culture that must have been in place or listen that that these all these emails are going somewhere and and they're being responded with something that's what i, yeah. I i've always said is like listen for someone to say these type of comments someone isn't giving back like bro that's not appropriate you shouldn't say what they're giving back is like an lol that's funny bro like yeah you're right like you know what i mean so there there is a recipient to these messages bruce allen yes he's going to be the main culprit but i think this is all going to stem back to his brother that's what i was saying in the chat the other day where i was trying to like connect all these dots and i'm like where where did this all start from and i think it's just a gruden thing i think it's just like the family kind of brings this culture around and i do think that it's just like a, a different kind of like disrespectful like I, I don't know there's just something about that family i think that is going to bring it into this because jay gruden was the coach in washington when all this was happening right john gruden is the coach in oakland or las vegas when all this is happening and i don't think that's a coincidence and i think that all is going to come full circle eventually and i do think there's going to be a lot of fallout from this uh did you see Schefter? Schefter is catching some some slack from this now because the report came out saying uh, Schefter hit up Bruce Allen saying he was going to like edit stories and like certain stories might not be released and like asked him if he could release things and like, yeah, Schefter's caught in the crosshairs now too, man. This is going to go deep, man. But but, but there's going to be some stuff in here that it, because the, the, of the magnitude of the investigation, but it, it's still so funny because that's John Gruden's only connection to the Washington football team, right? Is Jay Gruden. Mm -hmm. That's, that's his connection is that well, while he was on TV and covering the NFL, he, he made those comments and they weren't all towards Bruce Allen, right? Like they could have been sent to his brother. Sure. Obviously, uh, some were pertaining to Jeff Fisher and the, the Rams at the time that they drafted Michael Sam in 2014. And a lot is going to come out of this. And I think you're going to see which is typical in our society now is that things that are not malicious or have malintent are going to get caught up in this. Probably some Schefter stuff is going to get caught up in this that probably shouldn't be. And that's something that I think as critical thinking Americans and human beings and sports fans, we have to take into account is that not all of this is going to be bad, but we have to sift through the good and take the bad for what it is clearly what john gruden did and said was bad are we gonna find out more probably i think it's gonna pertain a lot to media members and current and former members of the washington organization and i mean this doesn't the, these emails and john gruden being uh resigning and and leaving the vegas raiders does not help daniel snyder and, and bruce allen in the least it doesn't help them at all and that's another thing that I take from this is that I think Daniel Snyder is the worst owner in all of sports. And there are some pretty bad owners in sports. I think he's the worst one. I, I think he has, he has taken his power to a new level. And that's how part of this started uh, was them talking about how they were exploiting their cheerleaders uh, for pictures and, and, and stuff like that. So, but to what you were saying, yeah, I think it's a Gruden thing, but I think that we're going to see a lot of other people come out of this because of what you just said is there, there's always a response, right? And and maybe some people will have those responses, Bobby. Maybe we're going to we're gonna find some saints amongst the sinners, right? Where there's going to be some emails that just came out like, yeah, Johnny probably shouldn't say that. Or, yeah, hey, Jay, like, that's a pretty brutal thing to say. Probably, we probably shouldn't do that. And you're going to find those. But yeah, I, this there's going to be a lot of follow-up from this. And it's... But why now? I'm with you on that too. Why now? Why why right why? now? And of course, if you ask a Raiders fan and you peruse Facebook and go into enough back channels of Twitter and Facebook groups, it's because the NFL doesn't want the Vegas Raiders to succeed. And it's like not, that's not it at all. Like everybody takes this personally, you know, like oh the, the refs are always on the side of the Patriots. So they're always the new thing is is that the referees are always on the side of Justin Herbert and the Chargers. And it's like, guys, they're not they're not and it's just you just need to get over that yeah it's, it's definitely not listen the Raiders brought that good they're, you, you, right. you don't need to release 10 year emails 
to stop the Las Vegas Raiders at three and one. I promise right. that's not what's happening. No, I, I, I just, I don't, I was baffled by that. It's like when I first saw the report, I'm not going to lie. I was like, oh, what? So uh, 10 years ago, what? Listen, I didn't know, <laughs> didn't know what was in it. But so like, I just, it's, it's baffling to me. And I really do think the NFL kind of like secretly hoped that like, maybe if we hire, fire Gruden, everyone will forget about this other thing that happened over here. But listen, this is 2021. That's not how the internet works, man. It, it, all it takes well, is one Twitter comment and all of a sudden it's, you guys are covering everything up. It, it's, yeah. So that's, I really do think that's what they hoped. It, it was never going to happen that way ever. But to go back to what we were saying before, listen, no racist ever sends messages like that to people who don't give some kind of intent or don't give some kind of sign that they, that they would accept that message. All right. I promise you, I have never gotten an email that has any kind of tone or anything to this nature in it whatsoever. It, it wouldn't even be like an option. You know what I mean? So for that to actually be a viable option for Gruden to sit there at a computer, type away this shit that he typed and look at it and be like, yeah, I'm sending it and send it. Probably from an AOL account too. But you got, was it an AOL account? I have no idea. But probably. Uh, I bet it probably was. Or a Hotmail. A baby's Hotmail. Spider 2 Spider 2 Banana Hotmail. No, was that hotmail. Ray that made that joke? Because that was good. We got to give him credit. Yeah, that was good. But, yeah, man, it's for, for you to have that confidence that you're not going to face reciprocation from that email means those weren't the first emails that you sent with that kind of tone. And right. that's not the first conversation that you've had with that person with that kind of tone. So it's just, it, obviously, there there is a lot more to uncover. I just don't know. I don't understand. I don't understand why we're uncovering it right now. Like, I'm not saying we shouldn't. Uh, and I'm not, sure, not right. what I'm saying at all. It's just, I, I've never understood that was like, why the NFL is now like, oh yeah, Gruden, you're the terrible person. When it, this is a 2% of a 100% investigation. So that's what it comes down to. You know? I, I think it, I, it, I think it's partly telling one that somebody wanted Gruden gone and two, that he is probably the one that is most implicated in this whole thing. Uh, the Schefter stuff may be what it, is because of the nature of what he was told to report. Who knows? You know, I mean, he, he could have been the good one in that. So and we're going to see what comes out on all this stuff. I, I just think, you know, I, 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 I don't, def I don't defend John Gruden. I, I don't defend what he's, what he said. I think it's, uh, it's heinous and it's, there's no place for it, not only in this world, but especially in sports and a sport that is the, the <laughs> the majority is not white in football. It is built that it built on on family. On like, bro, from a young age, I played I, I played football for like three years. I played flag football. Even my flag football team is built on like sticking together. It's those days. We're, we're, yeah, me too. We're we're in, we're in this together. We're we're gonna beat that. We're gonna bond together as a group and it come together to overcome this adversity They come together to overcome this and that's the kind of person you are can you imagine being a raider this past sunday and having john gruden there with all these things that are coming out telling you that he actually has your best interests at heart can you imagine being carl massive hearing me say uh, it's it's just crazy it's to go from when those first reports came out to where we are now, how fast that all happened is just, it's crazy. It's great. It's crazy how, how fast, how fast it can happen and how fast you can go from one of the Super Bowl winning coach, maybe in the Hall of Fame someday. Is he in the Hall? No, he's not. Not yet. Not yet. Maybe in the Hall of Fame someday, or he definitely not anymore, but maybe in the Hall of Fame someday, Buccaneers, Ring of Honor, you know, always on NFL films, having that like, after you win and, Bro, that's God. We're never seeing that again. Gruden is erased. He's gone. Yeah. And I, I think that's the way it needs to be for now. And we'll see what else comes out of this. I think there's going to be a lot more. Apparently, we have close to three quarters of a million emails to go through, which is a, an incredible amount of emails uh, in a 10-year span. I mean, that's just, 
incredible. And I'm sure there's some of them that have been just it, when they, when Demar Smith and the NFL Players Association is like, oh, we want all of these emails released. There's probably an email in there from Bruce Allen to Daniel Snyder asking him if he wants to go to lunch. Like, it's just, it, it's, a, it, it's like racists are racist and homophobes are homophobes, but it doesn't mean that every conversation they have is about those, you know, it, it, it just, it's just, you know, it's not like you said, hey, why don't we get PF chains and what about those gays? You know, it's like, guys, like, we only need to release all 650,000. Let's find the ones that are actually important and let's release those. Uh, well, Bobby, you mentioned, uh, coming together and family and, uh, and coming together for the greater good. Uh, we have a team in Boston who is doing that right now. And that's the Boston Red Sox, uh, who are going to the ALCS. And I was completely wrong. I tweeted in the middle of the, uh, the game against the Yankees, the wildcard game that that was embarrassing. It was literally the whole tweet embarrassing. Uh, and they came back and they won it and they've been playing great baseball. They've been having fun. They're fun to watch. They're dancing on and off the field. Uh, they're having a good time. And it's, I, I, I still can't, I still can't for some reason, something's keeping me from loving this team. Like I can't, I just can't get over that hump, but they're playing good baseball. Bro. I, I've been so locked in on these games the past few weeks. This, this team this team is something, man. I, I So it's crazy to have to sit here and, and have to put together my thoughts from, from these past three games all into one episode because, like, I just have so many from each individual game that it's like, listen, yes, I agree. This is a very, very flawed Red Sox team. There's so many spots that are, are just missing at points. The pitching can be horrendous at points. Listen, on the first two games of this series, we got a combined two and a third innings from our starter. You know what I mean? Like, th- there are so many flawed pieces to this team. But at the same time, the individual performances that some of these dudes have put up over these past three games have just been absolutely mind-blowing from uh Tanner Houck in game two coming out and just locking it down after who started game two I don't even remember it felt like it was a year ago that was uh, us. the sale yeah and after sale just collapsed in the first inning Houck comes in saves that game for us offense ends up carrying it we end up blowing them out game three man that was a roller coaster but you have Nick Pavetta in game three, just coming in and, and delivering a Nate Valdi-esque playoff appearance, a Pedro-esque playoff appearance, and then the walk-off by Vasquez, like the most unexpected person. Well, yeah. After all that, he comes up and just hit, hits a bomb because I don't know if you remember this from like four years ago, because that's what Vasquez does. All Vasquez does is hit clutch home runs. If he hits a home run, it's a walk-off. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't hit very well, but what he does, he hits in big spots. And game four was just, it, it was magical, man. To fall down like we did, uh, or to, to get that lead like to fall down, to get that lead like we did, have them come all the way back, and then we end up winning the game after having just some bonehead baseball plays from Verdugo making the last out at third base, which is just... Blast, bro! No, if I would, if I, I, on. I, I'd be going. No, you mean listen? We're baseball guys. We know we'd be in that dugout just losing our mind from Renfro throwing from home, missing the cutoff man, and bringing that tie run to second base. Like just, it's so, but so but funny then, because these are the things that we've wanted to see from them for in from baseball. It's crazy, right? Because the game has gone to, hey, you don't steal, you don't take an extra base, you only go first to third, you go station to station. It's the money ball effect. You don't try and do those extra things that normally happen in baseball. And right now they're doing those things and they're running into those mistakes and they're running into those outs and they're missing the cutoff mail and they're trying to make outs where they aren't necessarily there. And that's kind of what's making it more exciting. If they can tighten that stuff up and just get over that excitement, it'll be tenfold much, much better than what it is right now. But I, I watched all of that game on Sunday. Sunday was a good day for sports. Sunday was a great day for sports. You get the Patriots. Amazing. Watch that game. 
uh, it, it was just a, a full gambit of sports and football and baseball. And the, the Red Sox should not have taken that long to, to win that game on Sunday. It, it just never should have taken that long. Uh, and unfortunately it did, but I have some thoughts. I, I have some thoughts on some strategy. Well, keep going. Sorry. I, I like the way they're playing is, is all I was going to say. I, I like the way they're playing. I, are they, are they going the world series? I don't know. It's a tough road. I mean, you got Houston next. And then if you get past Houston, you're either facing Atlanta and then uh, LA and San Francisco will play game five tomorrow. I think tonight or tomorrow, I think it's uh, on Thursday, October 14th. So when you're listening to this, that game will be uh, that night. Uh, but uh, yeah, so, so it's a tough road, but it's not impossible to win this team is playing because you're in the ALCS. You won on the final four teams at that point. Anything can happen. Yeah. Man, it, the rest is huge for them right now because, uh, the pen is gassed. Uh, I, I do have some negatives and like, listen, I don't want to bring it down, but I have to say Cora's unwillingness to just go to Whitlock has cost his team to leads in King four. He brought in Robles instead of going to Whitlock. And yesterday he brings in Brazier instead of going to Whitlock. Listen, I get it. You want, you don't want him to have to go two innings. I don't give a damn, man. This is your season. This is what you're doing. Whitlock needs to be out there. He, I guess starting with Brazier, but as soon as you see Brazier doesn't have it, you got to have Whitlock ready to go because Whitlock's your, your money pitcher right now. Devers, Devers is very evidently hurt. I don't know what's going on with his swing, man. Have you ever seen him take so many ugly swings? No. He's on a knee. Half his swings. It's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I can't. The past three years, man, those games were just, it was exhilarating. And I wish we were doing like emergency reaction podcast because in, in the moment, I, I was more fired up than I've ever been. Like that I've been for the Red Sox in so long. That walk off. So amazing. The Kiki walk off to go from utility player to the hottest player in baseball and to come up in a spot where you know he's going to get it done. As soon as he came to the plate, you're like, this game is over. This game is over. Kiki, there's no way he is not winning this game right there. And he did. It's just the individual performances, game by game, have been amazing and they overshadow all these imperfections of this team so far from the base running mistakes to the, the bad throwing mistakes to the bad defense. Uh, yeah, well, we can't wait. We can't, we can't move past and look forward until we talk about that Hunter Renfro play in game three, where it hit, it hit, it hit off him. The, the lucky, oh, the luckiest the- bounce. Yeah. The luckiest bounce. Maybe in Red Sox history, right? Luckiest bounce the Red Sox history. It was, and, that, and that's the point that needs to be made because I'm watching that game and I was watching it with a group of people and just listening to Matt Baskersian and hearing other people and going on social media and seeing the stuff. And it's like, I, I don't know what they expected that to be called, but that is literally by definition a growl double. So when you're talking about that play, yeah, lucky lucky because that ball doesn't bounce over the fence and that's a run and possibly a triple now you know everybody says well oh how does it a ground will double well be, because it's the rules literally says it in the rule book and and that was the other thing is that the major league baseball rule book while you can make a lot of interpretation there's a lot of rules that don't have that you can't make a lot of interpretation on and a ground rule double is one of them if a batted ball hits the ground and then goes over the fence, it's a ground rule double. Like that, that's it. And that's just, excuse me, breaking it down into, into layman terms. Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, that, that is probably, but that is one of those plays that leads you into a World Series championship. And then they play that over and over again for the next five years. Like that's the kind of play that that was. That's the kind of of luck that was for the Boston Red Sox. I mean, we're probably looking at a at another game, maybe the end of the series, and for that to happen, it was it was great. It was great. It extended that game even longer. Uh, it's still longer than that game ever should have gone. The Red Sox should have won that in in 
nine innings. It shouldn't have had to go 13. Yeah. Did you actually think they were going to take the run off the board? That's what I, I was sitting there and I was like, man, I understand if they call it a grab and a double, there's no way they take that run off the board. Well, they have to. Yeah. And, but exactly. They had to, and I, I couldn't, it, it was exactly like you said, it was one of those moments where when they came out and they brought everyone back and it was second, third, I'm like, oh, all right. So this is one of those seasons where like we're catching that break and it, it was just so awesome. Man. That three days of baseball was one of the best three games of baseball I've experienced in a while, a very well, long time. It's it's rejuvenation because it, we've, we're finally, we saw baseball again for 162 games. It was you know, at the beginning of the season, it was, you know, we're playing by the nerds rules. We're playing by the numbers. They're, they're making pitching changes. When this happens they're you know, and they did that in the playoffs because they, like you said, they made two bonehead pitching changes that should have gone to Whitlock that didn't. And those could have paid, uh, exorbitantly and they didn't. And, and they lucked out there as well. And the offense bailed them out, uh, and the defense bailed them out. So, you know, having those opportunities is what's going to allow these games to be that exciting. And they're playing baseball. That's what I love about playoff baseball is they're playing. It's like playoff hockey. I, I don't think, I think playoff hockey is still better than playoff baseball. But that's, that's besides the quote. Even as a baseball guy, I just, I, I can't get enough playoff hockey. But playoff baseball is right up there because that's, that's, that the, you're, you're playing, you're playing for tomorrow, not for October because it's already October. So you got to go out and win the games and you got to win it by playing baseball, not by looking at a computer and deciding what changes to make. I agree with you, mommy. I, this has been so much fun. I hope the, I hope the ALCS is the same, but taking on Houston, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, going to be very interesting because Houston is playing the villain right now and they're soaking it up. And I, I think the Sox can take this series, and I think it's going to take six to seven games for the Red Sox to win this series. But I think it would only take four to five for Houston to win. Yeah, they, uh, Houston's a tough, tough matchup for the Red Sox. They, they've pretty much dominated us all year long. Uh, we don't actually we only played them once, and it was a four game series. But they, I think they took three out of four. Uh, but so. The, the thing with Houston is they have, it, it's not the same Houston team that you're going to recognize. Verlander is not going to be coming out. It's not going to be, you know, Charlie Morton coming out. It, it, it's young guys with that same offensive cast. I think it's going to be a great series. I, I do think it's going to come down to six or seven games because this Red Sox team doesn't die, man. They just won't. Uh, they, they, like I said, they come up clutch. Alex Cora is a great coach. So I think this is going six to seven. The one guy that scares me, today, not many people might know, but Framber Valdez, uh, he's a young starting pitcher for the Astros and two starts against the Reds. So it couldn't have been one series. They must have played him twice. But anyways, two starts, uh, over 14 to third innings. He's given up two runs and he's struck it out 18 Red Sox in two games. This guy it, it can deal. He's going to be trouble for the Sox. The only... Uh, silver lining is that he's a heavy curveball pitcher, and we know Devers can't hit a goddamn fastball for his life right now. So maybe that'll help down the run, but I think uh, I think it's going to be Sox six or seven. Mm-hmm. I do think we're going to the World Series, man. I don't know why. I just have this feeling. Oh, you're you're just on a high right now with this Cowboy Red Sox talk. I know it's been wild, man. That's a <laughs> my my sports confidence is at an all time high. It's the scariest goddamn thing in my entire life. Because I know it can all come crashing down so fast. I was going to say, hopefully, ho- hopefully we bring you down a peg on Sunday uh, and the Patriots can get the win over the Cowboys. But hopefully, in terms of the Red Sox, you're absolutely right. And uh, and, the, and they get to the World Series. It'd be pretty cool to go up against the Dodgers and, and see a Red Sox versus Dodgers with Mookie Betts. Sox Braves would be a fun one. Sox Giants would be a fun one. You know what I mean? Like it, I, I just think there's some pretty intriguing matchups for the World Series. Uh, and we have to get there first. But uh, for Bobby's sake, I, I hope he, he gets one of his wishes and the other one does not come true. So... Uh, we've, we ran the Red Sox, uh, the, the Patriots Cowboys matchup into the ground. Uh, we got a visit from Craig. Maybe he'll leave some of that in here. Uh, and, uh, we talked about the, our email scandal in the NFL. 
Uh, if you're out there and you're sending emails, make sure they're professional and make sure that that stuff isn't in writing. Because mm-hmm. when that stuff is in writing, you're in trouble. For the real BK, Bob Kelly, I am Joe Malkin. This has been Missing the Point. We will talk to you next week. Electric acid. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage, behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the The Candle Candle Power Power Hour. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an electric cast production. Electric acid. Electric acid.